Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the second hour is here. How am I with Withrow? Across the Outkick Network, the Wednesday edition. show is flying by today, Hutton. Yeah. Coming up, uh, we've got Tank Williams, who will join us later next hour. Former NFL safety, now college football and NFL analyst. Uh, always great whenever uh, he has a chance to jump on. Talk both. Chad, you're going to ask about the, uh, the alma mater. I'll ask him about his Stanford Cardinal. Yeah. Getting it done against Dion. Keeping them uh, possibly out of the bowl. I think it was Albert Einstein who said the definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Um, the, sta- the, the Stanford talk has me remembering that I may be doing just that this week in, in wrong team favorite <laughs> as I continue to have zero points. Um, may God have mercy on my soul. Chad, they, <laughs> Chad, they had the, uh, the Christmas, Jim Downey, the Christmas decoration fest here at six and Peabody, um, last night went yeah. on to like two thirty in the morning. Do you think they were saying Merry Christmas or Merry Ballsmas? I think half of them were saying Merry Christmas, like and the other half shave. was saying that those yeah. those Merry who Ballsmas. those who know were saying Merry Ballsmas for sure. Uh, and that's what our friends over at Manscaped they're saying right now. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you the celebrations are starting early this year? Turns out the perfect gift does exist, and who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below the waist grooming? Keep calm. And let your balls jingle this season. I told you we're going for it. With Manscaped's brand new performance package, 5.0 Ultra, featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com. Use the code HOTMIKE for 20% off plus free shipping. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. At manscaped.com. Remember to use that code hot mic, all one word. If you are spelling challenge, that is H O T M I C. Not like Magic Mike, not with a K at the end. Mike, M I C at the end. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays with Manscaped. Jingle all the way, Chad. Jingle all the way. Uh, a great Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Jingle All the Way. I may have to watch that. I, I need to revisit that film this holiday season. It's about time for Home Alone, that's for sure. My annual viewing Always of, time. of Home Alone it is, is about to happen. It is time. Chad, uh, Martavis Bryant is back with the Cowboys. Um, last time he played a down was in 2018, week 10. And he's since been reinstated. He did a handful of tryouts. Um, Cowboys were one of them, yes, but also the Titans and uh, I believe a couple of others. Um, he's back with the Cowboys on the practice squad which means another team could claim him unless Dallas wants to elevate him to the active roster for a minimum of three weeks. But he's back as some wide receiver insurance for them. And we will see, by the way, an NFL record this weekend. And it's not maybe Martavis Bryant's elevated on game day, maybe not. But the NFL record is going to be with Tommy DeVito, who will become the 10th rookie to start an NFL game in a single season. That will become the most ever. That's where we, it does. It does not feel like ten, considering 
the mindset for me has been, well, there's three quarterbacks, and we're just now seeing Will Levis get to that point. Well, let's also be perfectly clear about that stat. That is a very bad thing for the NFL. Yeah. And it's been a very bad thing this year for the NFL. Well, not just rookies. That's, you're right, it's bad. Uh, even, I mean, the veteran quarterbacks aren't really putting up a ton of numbers by and large. Um, the offense hasn't been great. Defenses that should not have the advantage uh, are playing okay against some rules that are set up for the offense to win. That's surprising. You've got Josh Allen throwing all kinds of picks. Uh, you've got uh, Tua against good teams, averaging 17 points per game. Where are we headed with this? Which quarterback's actually going to get hot and be consistent with it? Right now, it's Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. It took a while for them to get going offensively because of his injury. It's not a good offensive no, league right now. And the league is just so much healthier when I think... When you get to the point where more than half the league has truly established franchise quarterbacks, where you're looking at them thinking, this guy's here for more than two years. Whether they're in the middle of their career, towards the end, or in the beginning, right? Where you feel confident saying... I can see a scenario where this team has their quarterback for the next, you know, two, three, four years. That's a better spot for Lee to be in. I, I don't think you can say that when you look out across the league right now. There's just so many st either stopgap situations at quarterback, rookies or second-year players that you're not fully invested in or bought into so far. There's too much uncertainty at that position right now, and it's led to poor offense. There's a lot of other factors too that's led to that, but offense is down this year in the NFL. Yeah, and it, I mean, we're talking a ton about C.J. Stroud this past weekend, but the weekend prior, he ends up losing a game against a team he shouldn't lose against, and that's Carolina, right? Awful performance. But no one's talking about the bad performance because, again, I, I think it's, it's routine right now that you see field goal-type games, offense to offense. And that sucks. Yeah. Now, I'm not all for no defense like we saw in Houston and Tampa either, but they're – I mean – what we were seeing, I mean, it is tough right now for teams to put up 24 points, 22 points. You know, the, the, Chad, the Titans would have two more wins if they scored on the road 17 points and 21 points. They'd, have five, they'd be 5-3 and three instead of 3-5, and five, and they can't muster that with Ryan Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Derrick Henry. Yeah, a score fest can be a fun game to watch, but I'm with you. You don't want it to look like two-hand touch with defenses not being able to do anything. To me, it's pretty simple. The best version of football is when I'm watching the game and I feel like all four major units of the, of the game, one team's offense versus the other team's defense, one team's offense versus the other team's defense, those four are equally capable of striking. To me, that's the best version of football, to where you never feel like one side is completely out of it. And that could lead to high scoring. That could be low scoring also at times, but – it doesn't feel like someone's helpless. Yeah. I've watched too many games this year where I feel like one side of the ball is helpless, and it's typically the offensive side of the ball that's been helpless at times. And that's, that's not a good spot to be in in terms of enjoyable football to watch. And we've seen too much of that across the NFL. Chad, uh, Chad I, uh, I joked yesterday. I'm like, did Minnesota really have to put out there that, yes, Joshua Dobbs will be the starting quarterback for them this upcoming weekend? No, they didn't. Not after what we saw on short notice, yet again, where on short notice, he doesn't just play good. He doesn't play well. 
um, and just manage an offense and put them in position in the fourth quarter to actually be around uh, a, a, an element of leaving as the winner. He actually does it on the game-winning drive that he hadn't repped or practiced with his teammates, new teammates, all week. Um, he's also giving uh, credit to Creed in his uh, Instagram post, expressing gratitude to, to Vikings fans. He put out a, a TikTok, I should say, where he uh, edited himself into the Creed halftime performance on Thanksgiving. Uh, what, 2001 or 2002 is whenever that took place. Yeah, and he's... Where they, Scott Stapp was going higher. Spliced, spliced in uh, one of his uh, touchdown runs, I think, and then with Creed and Scott Stapp. Underrated part of Josh Dobbs is his social media ability because this is the second time, really the third time, that we've talked about something involving social media with him. Remember that they didn't have his jersey available in the Cardinals team store? Right. And he posted that, and then by that afternoon they had it available, and he was posting the new video where they had his jersey available for sale. Uh, then, of course, what the Vikings did, it wasn't his account, but him entering the locker room as Kevin O'Connell was giving him props and telling the locker room to let him hear you as he walks in, that was amazing. And he also responded to Micah Parsons, who said that he was going to put Dobbs' uh, headshot on a dartboard that week, and then after the game, he was dodging darts That's based right. on his performance. Yeah. So, uh, underrated social media guy also. Got a, got a career. Well, and quarterback. Got a now. career in media when he's done, if, if he wants it. And, and quarterback at this point. Um, did you try to pick him up in fantasy? No, I did not. Look, I love Josh Dobbs, and I hope this story continues, but prepare for the regression of the mean for Dobbs. I'm not saying he's going to crater and, and look like Zach Wilson at his worst uh, anytime soon, but I just don't, I don't see him winning games with two minutes left. That often, right? It's going to have to be, it's going to have to be the right setup for the Vikings to really win with they, him. They do forward. have a, a a a scheduled coming up where they can be very competitive, based on how I, they've been playing. And Justin Jefferson should be back sooner rather than later. He's eligible to return to practice now, uh, but they can lengthen this as much as they want or have him ready to go whenever. I look forward to having Armando Salguero on to ask him for a second <laughs> straight week. You said they're dead completely. You saw the game. You saw the win on the road. Are they still dead? And I'm sure he'll probably say yes. Are you buying into Dallas? Going back to them. but we, uh, The nation loves watching them play on national t TV. 27 million people, most watched game of the year, was Dallas, Philadelphia, uh, late Sunday afternoon. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think the, the previous number one was Chiefs-Bears with Taylor Swift in attendance at Arrowhead yeah. in a 45-10 final. That tells Look, you I, that the, the two matchups and, and the again the fan base is there and the intrigue in both good NFC teams um, drew a, a massive number in a late afternoon kickoff. I in terms of buying Dallas, I, I feel the same way I did before the season. They've got a very good roster and they still have Dak Prescott at quarterback, which means they're probably going to lose in the first playoff game they play. It's a playoff team that will not advance far, especially if they're going to play San Francisco. They've been knocked out the last two years. Yeah, in the I just round. see them losing to, you know, they're, it's not a Super Bowl team. It's a very good team that will be a playoff team that may win one game in the playoffs, but they're not going to the, the Super Bowl. I felt that way going into the season. I feel that way now about them. Uh, Bomani Jones, uh, with his podcast and just reading the uh, report on uh, uh, the recap on Awful Announcing, uh, doesn't feel as though that the NFL 
or the media covering the DeMar Hamlin story with the Bills from what happened at the end of last season to the incredible return and process for him and how fast and quick he was back to the field. It, not just back to the field, in pads, playing, making a roster. He doesn't think that's inspiring, or at least how it's being framed. Quote, now that everything has been made into a television show, the NFL has to stand in every way for that's good. And what they're trying to do is turn what happened with DeMar Hamlin into a story of inspiration. There's nothing inspiring about what happened. That from Bamani Jones. Why do we recap what other, other people think if they're idiots? I feel like what we're doing is a recap show for media members who are just stupid. Why do we continue to do this every day? Why does... Can we play this audio clip instead of him saying this on his podcast? I, I, I doubt it. I'm sure we'd, yeah. you know, something bad would happen if we did that. Bomani Jones. So I kind of agree with the broader point of what he's saying. And let me explain why. I, I, I believe that where he's going is into a racial element of this that I completely disagree right. with. Okay. Which is what he does. But I mean, yeah, the NFL will drape themselves in the American flag. They will attach themselves to anything that makes them look good. That's not unlike every corporation, by the way, in business in America, right? They want to attach themselves to, to feel-good stories. The DeMar Hamlin thing, to me, is still such an odd deal because no one will come out and say scientifically and medically exactly what happened. Like, DeMar Hamlin doesn't even say exactly what happened. No, he has. He's since told. He's since said what happened. Oh, he has. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't know that he had said that. He he had he had he told people that he had the. What was the condition? What that, everyone thought it was commotio cordis. Yeah. Or whatever it was. But um, it took a while. You're right. Yeah. So, to I a just, point where people thought that it was a a stand in in the stands of him. Remember. Well, I I guess like a here's body double. here's what I would say that it, the way it's not bad for the NFL is the fact that if it was something that happens in the course of an NFL game is a horrific injury that is football-caused and solely because of football, it's one that you watch and probably don't show, and then you don't really celebrate because it, it, it brings to light how violent a sport it is. This was something that happened in a contact sport that could have happened in a basketball game, could have happened in a baseball game, could have happened in any number of sports, right? So it wasn't football-specific with the injury. But the way that people came together in the medical community around DeMar Hamlin and saved his life, and then DeMar Hamlin coming back and being an active member of the Buffalo Bills football team and, play, and dressing out and playing in one game this year, I mean, that is inspiring. So I don't – can I blame the NFL for wanting to attach themselves to that or for DeMar Hamlin attaching himself to that? And for DeMar – here's what's inspiring. DeMar Hamlin opened up scholarships for the 10 people in Cincy that were – the most around him and, and with the medical community, right? Well, everyone was inspired to donate to his yeah, charitable that's, causes. That part is that part is inspiring. Yeah, this was in April whenever Here's, he said that it, uh, the blow to the chest caused his heart to stop, a condition known as commotio cordis. Look, if you're annoyed, right? Like you're just saying, like, okay, here, this was a very sad story that this guy went through this and he was playing football, and I am uh, deep down, I'm bothered and annoyed that the NFL can take all of that and somehow profit from it, right? They make themselves look like they're heroes and heroic in this, and right. they, they drape themselves in this story 
that's otherwise not you know inspiring or her- whatever, however you want to phrase it. I can kind of understand the broader point of what Bamani Jones is saying. Here's where I disagree with him, and I know what Bamani Jones is going for in this. He's race baiting, which he does all the time. And this goes back to this. Here is big, bad NFL with white billionaires making money off the backs of black players. And once again, they are being promoted and promoting themselves on the backs of black players and their struggle. And that, that's what I hate about it. That's really what he wants to say in all this, right? Because he says it over and over again. He ties every story back into that. And that part I disagree with. But, I mean, if I'm using critical thinking here, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get how someone can be, okay, you know, we get it, right? The NFL is great. They're a savior. They did this. They did that. And being annoyed with attaching yourself to that story in that way, even though every company probably would have done the exact same thing. Well, black or white, uh, the NFLs would have still tried to continue that game on Monday night. That would have happened. They didn't because the coaches wouldn't do it. The players wouldn't do it. They want the sport to continue, and they're going to prop up every little thing. It would have been interesting how he said game. that, that they still yeah. tried to play the but game. Monty Jones is Monty Jones. This is a recap of the story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up in an hour, Tank Williams will join us. We'll get into how many locker rooms does he feel like are truly believers in the path that they're on. I think a lot of it has to do with the the trust that you have, of course, in the head coach, but also, going back to our discussion, Chad, a lot of bad quarterback play. There's not that many teams that have the quarterback that you trust. So how many locker rooms actually trust that they're in position to make a run. It's also such a bad spot to be in if you just resign yourself to, I'm just going to do my job and not care. Well, not because, care, but... but, uh, but Well, uh, when I say not care, you care about your own performance, but I'm saying when you lose that sense of we're in this together, we're striving to be better, we're striving to win, and you resign yourself to a sense of this is a rebuilding team. We're not going to win with this quarterback we have or whatever it may be. I just need to make sure I put out good film and I'm doing my job and that's all I can control. Yeah. I think mentally when you get to that point, that's not a good place to be in in team sports. Well, I guess like, so. I guess what I'm really going to ask him is how many teams are like the New York Jets from last year? That you got the swagger defensively and you've got some really good playmakers, but everyone was admitting you're a quarterback away. Right? Yeah. And I think what's motivated them specifically is the idea of Aaron Rodgers coming back. Not that they're, you know, maintaining with Zach Wilson. And, well, and, and I think there are, the, other, there are definitely other teams like that. Like, does Minnesota believe? Are they truly in? Because with Kirk Cousins, they absolutely would be, given their record well, and where and they not, stand. And also to expound upon that question, and we'll talk to Tank about this, but just the impact of one quarterback – Coming into your team, we saw it with Aaron Rodgers with the Jets on hard knocks, but yes. 
I mean, how much confidence that can give every position group on your team. And Tank Williams, the guy who played in the secondary at safety, but when you feel like you've got the quarterback that's going to win you a game, how different that changes the mentality of everyone. Everyone is thinking differently and being more positive when you have that guy. You know that's a huge factor going into it. Hey, some news just dropping yeah. out in Major League Baseball. The L.A. Angels are hiring Ron Washington, uh, Braves assistant coach, longtime manager also in Major League Baseball, to be their next manager. That is per John Heyman, who had that report. Man, the, the merry-go-round of managers and coaches in Major League Baseball and the NBA never ends. Ron Washington you know? got a ton of credit for this Braves run also while he was an assistant coach there and uh, the third base coach for the Braves. But there's a lot of videos of him doing his infield work with guys every day before they took the field. And he's a well, he's a loved guy, beloved, when that Braves clubhouse. So that's a loss for them. And uh, the Angels have their guy. Jet, so uh, if you're looking at the college football playoff committee's top 10, you're like, man, this looks very similar to last week. It's because it is. Uh, the top eight haven't changed at all. Uh, from last week. Ohio State, though, um, remains number one. But they were number one last week because of their two good wins, right? Notre Dame, Penn State. Yep. Doesn't look as great based on their recent performance. And I, if what does Georgia have to do to jump them in the pole to get to number one? And I bring this up because of where Alabama is at eight. If Bama and Georgia maintain and Bama beats them in the SEC championship, can the SEC all of a sudden get two teams in? A month ago, there's no way I utter that question. And I see a path here just based on Penn State is capable of beating Michigan. Michigan, we know, has been the more physical, dominant team in the trenches against Ohio State. And the merry-go-round there, plus what could happen in the Pac-12, who knows what happens with Texas, and the fact that after that, all of a sudden, there's Alabama. And if Georgia's number one and Bama creeps up to six or five, this version of the Nick Saban team that has flaws, he can win the argument this year compared to last year where they lose two games on the final play of each game. And he was laughed at because no team in the college football playoff with two losses has ever been a college football playoff team in the top four this this year with all their flaws and where we thought they were the perception wise it's a much better argument based on the coaching job that he and his staff and the players have done over the course of the last month and a half well let's all just agree that for the rest of america that's not the sec yeah the doomsday scenario is starting to take place and that is if yep. georgia wins at home this week they got a tough test but they are a road win in knoxville away from being clear to be undefeated going to Atlanta for the SEC championship. And the number one team. I think Alabama's there. That LSU win, they're not going to lose at Kentucky. They're not going to lose to Auburn this year. They are going to be in Atlanta with one loss. So then all of a sudden, if Alabama is able to win the SEC title and beat undefeated Georgia and give them one loss. Like Georgia did on their first run. You've got Alabama with one loss, SEC champ. Georgia with the one loss. Are you going to keep the two-time defending national champion that only has the one loss in the SEC championship game out of a four-team college football playoff? I doubt it. 
if you're comparing them with other one-loss teams. So then that, that's how you get two SEC teams into the, the college football playoff, which would anger everyone across America if that were to be the case. But I, I could see that happening now, the way things are playing out. I, I still think probably the most likely scenario is Georgia, they go ahead and went out, and, and they're in there as an undefeated SEC champion. But there's – look, I, I don't – I don't ever get overly twisted up about these rankings right now because I look out on the horizon and say, well, Michigan, Ohio State will take care of itself. Michigan's got a big road win, a road game this week. If they can get that win against Penn State, it's all going to play itself it out one, one way or another. And I, I think it's all going to come down to, which it does most years, we're going to be talking about two teams. There's going to be the fourth spot, and we're going to be debating two teams for that fourth spot. And – one team is going to get in over the other, and there's not going to be this huge outcry because it's going to be tough to argue why that one team that gets in should be out over the other one, and that, that's where we're going to eventually get. Now, if you expand it out and we can show you what that 12-team playoff would look like next year, that's where I think we're going to have even more debate about how this thing should play out when you get to teams 10 through 18 and look at them on what it'll, it'll look like a year from now. And, and right now, the first-round matchups in the 12-team playoff, if it were in effect this year and not next year, currently based on the college football playoff rankings, Alabama would host Ole Miss, Michigan host Tulane, Oregon host Louisville, and Texas hosts Penn State. And then you'd have Alabama or Ole Miss advance to take on Ohio State. Washington would take on the winner of Michigan Tulane. Florida State takes on either Oregon or Louisville, and the winner of Texas Penn State would move on to take on Georgia. I now, can't, when, I can't when wait you for get this. to the eight, let me say this about this this current bracket: the worst I've ever seen in any of these mocks. And I know this is what it would be right now. Yeah, but the, those for Alabama Ole Miss rematch in Tuscaloosa, not the best possible matchup you could get. Michigan Tulane. I don't care. Oregon, Louisville, bad. Texas, Penn State, that's got some sex appeal to it with those two programs. But, but getting done, to the next eight, keep that graphic up if you would, please. Getting to the next eight, that is where I think you get – let's look at that possibility, right? Ohio State, Alabama, Washington, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon, Georgia playing Texas or Penn State. That's great. Well, look, it's going to be fine. I'm just saying a year from now, if those, the host site games where you actually have teams hosting a game, if it's those, that's the worst I've seen of it. But if, this but if is, that's the floor, that's pretty good. And the, this is the worst I've seen of that so far. But the floor is I care more about the four games on campus than I do those teams matched up with whoever they're, they're paired with in a bowl game. Right. And it's not the college football playoffs. No, I, from, a, right? from an atmosphere standpoint, what, what I want to watch early on, I definitely want to watch the, the teams hosting the games. Yeah. But, I mean, you cannot go wrong with Ohio State-Bama, Washington-Michigan, Florida State-Oregon, Georgia-Texas. That's if chalk happens. That's when you get down to the eight and after that first round. That's really good. Really, the biggest beef I have here is Tulane's in, but James Madison wouldn't be. They're the unbeaten team, but they're ineligible this year. Good thing is, next year, fine. But again, the hypothetical would be, this year they couldn't play in a New Year's Six Bowl as the highest-ranked non-Power 5 school. 
Uh, so the debate right now, Chad, would be between, let's see, um, Oregon State, Tennessee, Missouri, and Oklahoma State. Yeah. Plus Kansas and Oklahoma now. Right. And look, th- there's going to be a different set of teams there at some point. Yeah. But, I mean, Tennessee's not going to win out, I don't think, uh, playing at Missouri and Georgia at home. Just Maybe they do. That, that next tier is Utah, LSU, Notre Dame, Arizona. But point being, someone is going to play their way up and someone's going to play their way down in the last month of the season. And it's going to kind of work its its way out. But I think with the added teams next year, it's going to lead to much more fun discussion. I, I'll i be completely frank with you. I don't love talking about the top four teams in the country week to week in this deal. It's just kind of boring. I, I think it, it's very obvious who the top six are right now. There's not going to be room for much debate. It stayed the same from a week ago. And I see this and I think, it's going to play itself out, and there's not going to be room for a lot of discussion. A year from now, there's going to be a hell of a lot of discussion of teams 8 through 20 on that list, and there's going to be so many resumes to look at and comparison points and teams with two losses to compare, and I think that's fun. I don't know about you, but I like March Madness, and I like Selection Sunday because it's fun to point to the differences in the resumes of these teams that are on the bubble. I think that's going to be an appealing it, it, part of this new process. It is fun. Um, I think the four teams has been pretty boring, quite frankly, when you get down to them to compare four and five. There's not been a ton of room for debate. Well, what will There hasn't it up been a big controversy. Don't change the portal rules then because it's, it, it will be very similar to, I mean, instead of that, we know the top six, I think we'll know, you know the top nine or ten practically every year based on who's coaching. The other thing, too, is, are we going to see more two-loss teams on the national landscape instead of Bama on the mid-afternoon or primetime spot for kickoff if they're the unbeaten school taking on whoever, right? If it's three-loss A&M early in the season against Alabama, right now that's the 2.30 kickoff on CBS, right? Are yeah. we going to see more of Penn State, Louisville, Oregon State, Ole Miss, and Pac-12, for that matter, in marquee time slots. Hutton, you mentioned Probably the transfer not. portal, and this this reminded me of this, something I've, I've wanted to hit. I sent okay. this to you guys yesterday. Oh, yeah, the reverse um, problem. Oh, my goodness. NC State quarterback MJ Morris, who has led the Wolfpack to victories in the last two weeks in big games over Clemson and Miami, he has showcased himself, and he has now told his coaches, I don't want to play anymore because I want a red shirt so I can transfer. After receiving a scholarship from NC State, playing for NC State, doing well, well enough to win, and now suddenly he's just taking himself out of the lineup. This should anger everyone. This is the downside of the transfer portal. Are you kidding me? This kid who's been given an opportunity is now saying, yeah, I don't know that I want to play in this offense anymore. Take me out of the game. Put the dude you benched by the way, who's Brennan Armstrong, who's like a seventh-year player who transferred in from Virginia, who got benched, came to be the starter for one year, gets benched for this kid who does well, and now he says, pull me, I want a red shirt, put the guy you benched back in. That's, that's troublesome. That, that's a problem. This is what, when you get the, and I hate when it's all one side or the other on these things, when you get the college football writers who tell you, this is what you got to give autonomy to the players and they need all the power and they need all the say, just like coaches. And it, no, because this is what ends up happening at times. 
This is a negative story that's not being covered by many people that we'll cover on this show. That's a problem. That is a problem for MJ Morris. That's a problem for NC State. That could be a problem for any other college football program. I hate this. Look, if you want to transfer at the end of the year and go somewhere, fine. You're trying to save your eligibility because you might want to leave for a team that you were fine signing with and playing with this year and starting the last two weeks. I hate this story. And it's based on the timetable of how many games he's played, right? Yeah, it's because he wants to save the the whole year. Right. Yeah, and and, uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks. The uh, on the flip side of things, you have, you know, the the NFL mentality where if you skip out on your team's bowl game, it doesn't hurt you, right? You decide to sit up. Think about being the team that recruits him now, because you wouldn't sit out unless you know kind of where you're going within the structure, right, of the portal. Yeah. Why would you want someone that's willing to do that after accepting the scholarship the way he did? only to say, you know what, I'm peace out. I'm going to keep myself healthy. Well, this is such a – look, I, I get that coaches are desperate and they're trying to save their sure. jobs. Oh, no and if he's got talent, they're going to take him. Yep. But I don't want this kid coming to my program. I wouldn't. If I'm someone – but someone that's desperate, that's already been talking to him, that maybe he was recruited out of high school somewhere else, he's going to save himself for that team. Chad, uh, Adam Rittenberg – Makes me mad. – says Michigan has sent its response to the Big Ten – and now Tony Petiti must decide how to proceed with potential discipline. We react to the details of this next on Hot Mike. The Peabody are located with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, uh, Adam Rittenberg saying that Michigan has submitted their response to the Big Ten. They're rebuttal for being notified by the Big Ten they could face discipline for violating the sportsmanship policy. But when, no details yet. When is the leak coming on what exactly the punishment was that Michigan has responded to? Michigan hasn't hesitated to push, no, I mean, push details these, on trying to be heavy-handed. Yeah, these are good reporters. Pete Thamel, yeah. Adam Rittenberg, uh, Nicole well, Arbach. They're getting information the, from Michigan. But also the, the Wolverine with On3. They're getting that same info, too and reporting on that this will be out this will be a swift uh, reporting cycle on this i feel like they're michigan's waiting to leak it based upon what they'll leak it the moment they get unfavorable news from the big 10 based well, on their response or if they just get a response like okay we're going to go back and consider this now we're going to huddle we're going to huddle and get back with you well, I just still think, I mean, it, it, the timing is working out sort of how I predicted this afternoon. I keep thinking that they're going to have to come back with some, something final tomorrow. right? Even if they get, they've got the response or, back from Michigan now, they're going to have to then come back on Thursday and say, we read your response, but here's what's st- going to happen. We're still going to go with the same penalty the or other, whatever it is. The other thing that could happen, though, there's no timetable on when a decision has to be made. It's just that discipline could occur if – you're Petiti and you have all these different things circulating. Now, do you want to... Because th- keep in mind, too, the NCAA notified the Big Ten that the connections to... Uh, and the allegation that there were connections to the private in- investigation uh, firm and Ryan Day were not true. It was just a rumor. There's nothing factual to back that up. The NCAA informed Petiti about that. If they've got more information, they need to give and hand over 
anything that they've been able to uncover throughout this process. They've been on campus longer than Petiti was, for instance, right? Yeah. So, and they're they're helping this because I mean, they're just going through the process of this timetable that's ridiculous, but also because there is a you can actually appeal the decision from the NCAA. Whatever decisions made by this committee, they, or, they don't have much recourse. There, there's no appeal. The recourse would just be through a judge, right? It, a court and, issued. Oh, by the way, yeah. there's a top 10 matchup this weekend. Right. I mean, we're going into a game at Penn State. It's not like they're playing Illinois this weekend. They've got Penn State on the road. So I'd want to know something. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, if I'm the players, if I'm the program, I'm thinking let's, let's get whatever this response situation is over with so we know how to proceed. Well, as other things get reported, Dave will send it to us uh, here uh, in real time. Um, the, the story in Foxborough is so intriguing to me. Because, what was it, two and a half weeks ago now? Vrabel's up there. He's going into the Patriots Hall of Fame. And the same weekend, it's reported, months after the fact, that Belichick had agreed to a contract extension. Lucrative contract extension. What wasn't reported was the length of said contract extension. But soon after, it was reported it was lucrative. Because the assumption is he's going in the final year of his deal this year. Soon after that was reported that it's not his final year based on an extension. It could be a year, it could be two, whatever. Albert Breer was like, what I'm told is while it is lucrative, there's still a scenario where the Patriots could part ways with Belichick after this season, regardless of whatever extension's out there. So he's on the hot seat list. But he's been on the hot seat list. Just go back, what, two months ago when Tom Curran told us, yeah, I'm... I would say we're accurate in the fact that the rumors are more than just rumors and speculation based on the sentiment of ownership. Robert Kraft and uh, Jonathan Kraft. Chad, the firing I don't think is happening. By the way, uh, Ben Volan, who put out the report that there were two sources close to the Patriots that told him that a home run hire to replace Bill Belichick would be Mike Vrabel. He's also put out the uh, report, rumor, whatever you want to put into the speculation that it is very important for Belichick to win this weekend in Germany against Indianapolis. And that, you know, I immediately start laughing to myself thinking, are they going to let him back on the, you know, the yeah. charter back home from Germany after a, a loss to Indianapolis? You're staying in Germany, Bill. Yeah. Enjoy the wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Columnist here locally, Joe Rexrode, uh, for The Athletic, he had the great line. He's like, uh, Belichick post game. if he loses, it's just instead of on to Cincinnati, it's on to JFK. <laughs> uh, Solo. He, he starts to down a Das Boot <laughs> in Germany. He has his own beer fest. But, uh, think about that. How quickly we've gone from GOAT, he's going out in, without Brady, but he's going out the GOAT to uh, you need to win in Germany against Indianapolis. And I, I'm also, not all that. of these, all of these pieces that's the title, something like the top six landing spots for Bill Belichick next year. Well, teams that would be interested in Bill Belichick next year. It's crazy to read these headlines and these stories. Florio, though, is and, uh, it's not crazy to think they could part ways based on just the friction that has been there for about a year and a half, two years with Kraft and Belichick behind the scenes. You just feel it. Uh, and Kraft's not saying anything, right? Um, but the 
I wouldn't fire him. I would trade him. And Florio has put out there last week that the commanders could be trying to make an offer for him. And then you'd have to trade for Vrabel, hypothetically, given the rumor mill that's circulating. I, it's, 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 gonna, it's interesting to see where all this goes and who really has the right source. Um, I think that's a pretty tricky market to master from a media standpoint. Tom Curran's pretty good. And a coach that's tricky to replace. I, I think, you know, Mike Reese, you know, the, there's there's good yes. people that cover that beat yes. and cover that team, but it's also a very good organization. You know what very good organizations are good at? Keeping secrets. And they're very good at keeping things under wraps and not having a ton of leaks. So they are. I'm interested as, as much as the what's going to happen with Bill Bel- Belichick as who is the leak? Who are these reporters talking to? And how close are they to the situation? And are they getting accurate information? I, I know this, though, for a fact. He has been a disaster since Tom Brady left. So however you want to slice that pie and you want to put the blame cake on whoever, he's been bad. That organization has gone straight downhill. And since McDaniel Since left he's too. tried to do this he without... Yeah, but he, since he's tried to do this without Tom Brady, it's not worked. So I could understand Robert Kraft saying, guys won a bunch of Super Bowls. Oh, He's figured hey. it out before. He'll figure it out again. We're staying with him. And I can completely understand him saying, yeah, it's not working. See, you know, you know what was also complete crap was Brady's final year there. Yeah. He looked done in Foxborough and the wild card loss to Tennessee compared to what we saw the year, the following year in Tampa. Yeah. You know, and that was also trash offensively. Completely remade in Tampa. Meanwhile, not the case uh, in New England. Other hot seat uh, discussion and it, uh, far, as far as firing is concerned, far more believable. Number one, Matt Everflus with Chicago. Totally buy it. Gone. Ron, Rivera, likely gone. Ron Rivera, gone. Likely gone. Todd Bowles in Tampa. Yes. Um, Brandon Staley in Los Angeles. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, they're four and four. They've been winning more than I've thought they would at this point in the season, given how they started and given how they lose close games. I think they have to win a playoff game They've for got, him to keep his job. It's not just make the playoffs. I think given what they gave up last year in Jacksonville in yes. that blown game, I think they have to win a playoff game for I him agree. to be safe. And his defense, awful. De- defense looked great against Zach Wilson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Zach Wilson looked great against Denver, too, remember? Yeah. Zach Wilson looked like he was playing for Brian Ferentz. But it, as far as hot seat, they have Bill Belichick with a hotter seat than Arthur Smith right now at CBS. And you know what? I wouldn't. I, well, <laughs> their team is bad. Yeah, they're awful. And he, I mean, it's been, how long now has Tom Brady been gone? Four and years. And they've been bad? I mean, this is year three for Arthur 2019 Smith. Was final I, I'm season. putting them kind of on equal footing. Uh, granted, well, I get the resumes between the it. two. but Who do you trust to actually get it right versus not as a head coach? I don't know that I can firmly trust Bill Belichick without Tom Brady to get it right. And I, I'm just being completely honest. He hasn't I, been good but, without Tom Brady. What about a top five pick? Right now they have the fifth pick in the draft. I mean, you see what I'm saying, though. Like, it, it wouldn't be Mac Jones. They, they, and it wouldn't be a sixth round quarterback either. Again, I, I can understand them saying, I'm with you. It's, it was we're going to let you draft another quarterback and try to get it right with him. 
And I can understand Robert Kraft saying, I've seen enough. You're gone. Let's go in a different direction. Jonathan Gannon with the Cardinals, I don't see that. No. I, I, Why again, would he be on the hot seat? This is just a top ten. He's doing his job to lose. Not just that, but uh, doing it where it doesn't seem like it's on purpose. Yeah. I mean, they've been far more competitive again the year than I ever thought, and they're getting Kyler Murray back, and they're risking a $90 million injury guarantee by doing so this year versus paying him 50 in cash. Yeah. Frank Reich with the Panthers, no. Nope. Dennis Allen with the Saints, Absolutely. Um, because based on their upcoming schedule and knowing they have Derek Carr and that division, they should, uh, Chad, you said you could see 10 wins from them, right? Yeah. Yesterday? Yeah. Based yeah. on the schedule, I think they're going to win that division. They're 5-4 and four right now, and since Allen took over, they're 12-14 and 14 overall. Then they should win the division. And then there's Brian Dayball with the Giants, which, look, uh, for what we saw last year, there's no way Brian Dayball should go, period. Although the Giants are one of those landing spots for Belichick if you buy it. I don't buy that. <laughs> I mean, the guy was – they were one of the stories of the I, year I agree, last man. season. Like, I mean – And then there's – this is maybe the most surprising. Mike McCarthy is just outside the top ten right now. Three now, straight that, years. That, three, that I buy. Three straight years – or right now it's two straight with 12 wins in the regular season to lose – uh, with a lot of a lot invested, and I always say this when we bring up his job security, uh, Jerry Jones isn't getting younger. No, and he, he desperate older owner that super competitive that wants a, yeah. another Super Bowl that's is not going to have any patience. With and, and if he just decides he's been patient, this guy's though. never going to win the biggest of games, so we got to move on. It's going to happen quickly. But he has he has won the Super Bowl as a head coach. Again, there's there's not many in the league right now who have, but he's one of them. Uh, I just think it's interesting halfway through the season where the perception is because the perception, like with Bama earlier this year, vastly different now. And there will be three or four of these coaches whose team go on a run. And there will be a surprise firing too that isn't even listed here. But recently, Chad, we haven't seen a lot of shakeup. And the list of who you're going to hire isn't that deep. I think mm -hmm. a lot of these guys just, it's a merry-go-round, yeah, which is unusual. Um, who, who else will we not see? Uh, Sean McVay. Uh, although Samuel L. Jackson is uh, tweeting uh, last, this past weekend as the Rams uh, fall to the Green Bay Packers. At what point do we start the Rams coaching conversation? It's a great uh, tweet. It is. Um, 1.7 million views. I guess it's a post now, not a tweet. The post. But here's the, the only response I have to this is, McVeigh chose to stay instead of taking the media deal and taking the path, by the way, of Sean Payton. As soon as we're going to get bad in New Orleans, peace for a year. Uh, McVeigh chose not to do that. And they're in the mix in a bad NFC, and they shouldn't be. The really bad defense, especially their secondary, this played much better. And, I mean, Stafford's been banged up. He's, I think the Rams have been better than I perceived them to be because right now I figured they'd be where the Patriots are. Well, he'll get every opportunity Again. to lead the next quarterback for oh, the yeah. Rams and the next iteration of what they are, but he's got an old quarterback problem right now. 
I mean, Matthew Stafford's still really good when healthy, but that's becoming fewer and farther between. Carson Wentz isn't the savior? That he's healthy. I don't think Carson Wentz is the one that's going to get them. They're not going to be saying he's F those in picks line. in three years when Ripping. Carson Wentz leads them to a Super Bowl win. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Backups had their opportunity, and now it's their, Wentz behind Stafford. Their next which possible we're see Super Bowl him. winning quarterback is playing somewhere in college right now. <laughs> let's go ahead and let's go ahead and say that it's not. He's not currently at Ram Central. Coming up, uh, the Iowa betting over under hits uh, a new record. Plus, we'll get weird with Davy Hudson. That's next on Hot Mike.